0: It's about time. It's episode 60 here, and for 59 weeks now, we've been your friends, and uh, we've been very friendly about this whole podcasting thing, you know? But uh, right now, you, the listener, are getting grabbed by your ankles, turned upside down, and shaken out for your lunch money. We're asking for your $2 a month. Uh, We're starting a Patreon, and do one of you guys want to say what's going to be on this Patreon?
1: Sure. You know, me, Malcolm, I'll say it. Um, (laughs) We have done four episodes entitled Bank Check. Bank Check. Um, about the Farrelly brothers and uh, we did a deep dive on their whole entire filmography including a couple TV shows and we want to sell that to you Yeah uh, Bank check
0: is a series that we're gonna be doing about certain directors uh, that were able to be uh, All tours through going to the bank and cashing checks and with <laughs> that surplus Surplus of money. We're able to
1: create artistic
0: visions <laughs>
1: I'm ready to sell ourselves. Yeah
0: Bank check season one is for the taking, right, when you sign up. But uh every week you're gonna get a new episode of the extended clip Patreon feed, the after hours club, if you will. And we're gonna be talking about certain films, uh just one individual film, or maybe a list or a topic of films, or something else, you know, maybe a little interview, a little inside scoop on the
1: entertainment industry. True. Maybe just thoughts on pop culture and other subjects too
2: right and look look i'm i'm a real skin flint here i'm cheap as fuck i like two dollars we're practically fucking giving that away dude.
0: put your skin flint away
2: (laughs) (laughs) um in an effort to to get even more cash There is uh, supplementary material that if you're feeling more generous, if you have uh, a lot of income that you just want to throw at us, you can get a beautiful extended clip zine. We know how much you hipsters love that type of thing. There'll be some doodles in it, some writing of sorts, um, and we'll drop one of those monthly. Legally, I don't think we're allowed to call it a zine. Um, because we're going to be
0: incorporating ourselves as a corporation. And so uh, we're outside of the independent mode of production. (laughs) But you can sign up for $6 a month and receive the extended clip PDF Club in your mailbox (laughs) every month. Uh, but that's just come on that's like if you have a middle-class profession
1: Uh, most of you or not you know you could you (laughs) no matter what your profession is you could pay for it there's no judgment there yeah we're not paying the gas
2: bill this month we're (laughs) gonna get the pdf (laughs) look all i'm saying
0: is we're not expecting that the two bucks a month that's the main thing here two bucks a month you get the extended clip patreon
2: i expect that six dollars you better fucking do it (laughs)
0: on the $2 feed you know we've we've been working on this fairly project for a while and don't you want to see who we're going to cover next on bank check
1: I do. I definitely do. So I'm going to subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> yeah. and check out what we do. All right. I think that's enough of a teaser.
2: But yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: at the $50 level, I have this packet of uh, promotional hair gel slash fake cum from the film There's Something About Mary. Uh, and if we hit $50 on our Patreon per month, uh, that's just 25 of you signing up to get the Fairly show. Uh, we will be opening up that package and uh, spreading it out on cam. Uh, you're going to get to see so, so it's the ooey-gooey just... textures of that <laughs> 20-year-old fake cum. We'll be eating fake cum on camera. <laughs> I did not say we were going to eat it. There may be mold, and I really don't want to guarantee anything's going in my mouth right now. I'll put
2: now. it in my hair. I'll slick back <laughs> my hair with that. All right, back to the real show. Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel Lock like life is catapulting towards <laughs> Every <laughs> <laughs> with bloated ego. We are the only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown th- on his ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Michael Mann and I ride with Extended Clip.
0: Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 60. I'm one of your hosts, Rodney Dangerfield. I'm Malcolm the comedian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Larry Fine. <laughs>
0: Our double feature this week is The Exterminating Angel, the 1962 film by Luis Buñuel, and Project X, the 2012 film by Nima Numazeta. Um, now, Malcolm, you brought this double feature of All Night Ragers and their consequences to the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your selection here?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I picked both of these movies because, you know, it's party time in America right now. Everyone... <laughs> Everyone's turning up Everyone's happy You know The COVID complications are You know Just about done People are going out (laughs) Seeing their friends (laughs) Turning up Having a good time And you know um, I want to go boon well. I want to get Intellectual with it I want to be at like A cool hit party Where I wear a sweater And I talk about indie music Mm -hmm. But I also just want to Turn up with the frat bros I want to go to Project X I want to You know I want to get smashed You know Fuck a bunch of hot chicks (laughs) so th- <laughs> so that's that's why i ch- I, cho- I chose uh those two movies
0: nice um yeah these are films that i have memories of watching both of them uh, uh the Boonwell well i turned off after like 20 minutes early in my cinephilia i think i queued that up on the old hulu criterion package uh it just wasn't the day for it uh project x i watched as a senior in high school in 2012 uh i was ready for those parties, you know, but uh, I did not like the film very much back then. Maybe because I was something of a JB figure who never got <laughs> his big night out.
2: Um, yeah, I it had been a hot minute since I've seen uh, a Boone Well. Um, I watched like the handful that I have seen in like high school I feel like the most I remembered about the exterminating angel isn't even in this it's in midnight in Paris there's like a bit <laughs> <laughs> Where Owen Wilson uh, Suggests to Boonwell, he like oh yeah you should have this movie where they can't leave the room and uh, Yeah, so technically uh, exterminating Angel is our first Woody Allen film damn Damn. <laughs> That's all. Damn, damn church. <laughs>
0: Look, I think our spy our our silence speaks uh, volumes about Woody Island there. So yeah, damn is all I have to say about that. <laughs> the Exterminating Angel, 1962. As JT said, it's a film about a bunch of guys who can't leave a room. Um so there is a party. It's a big uh bourgeoisie house in Spain and uh all these all these uh upper crust folks are getting together for uh, a nice time and you know a couple of the servants are clocking out early i don't know what that's (laughs) all about uh you ever you ever had that feel i actually do really love the first like 10 minutes of this movie where you see the workers just like having that gut instinct to fucking dip out of work early uh Who among us, am I right?
1: Yeah, I mean even on a normal day I'm just looking looking to clock out. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So the people that guy that guy that it opens with, you know, he's just taking a walk. Very relatable. Yeah. You know?
0: All I do is clock out. <laughs> 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 Any job I
1: have. I make money while I sleep. I don't need to clock in.
2: Well, I mean, you bring up sleep and I feel like that's a fitting thing. I mean, this uh had me had me flashing back to our conversation with Wide Dick Willie Sloan, where uh we were talking about dreams, uh, and like I, I don't know, obviously like that's a big like Boonwell thing and a lot of uh people have compared him to Lynch in that sense. But I love how even in that opening there there's sort of that like unease that you feel when you're in a dream and you're not quite sure like this sort of prelude to the mystery there that happens um like i think that moment where when the servants have like dipped um and they're like going into the house and they sort of play that scene twice where they like go up the stairs and I'm like oh mm-hmm. like Lucas isn't here Like they'll take your coats upstairs and they do that twice. I had to rewind that because I was like, whoa That's that took me out of It's it very weird um, But I think they set that uneasy dreamlike quality very early on
0: so to get into like the premise of the film Yeah, it's uh, the guests of this party are overcome with the the uh, otherworldly resistance to them leaving the room uh that hosts this party and they stay there for a number of days uh their lives go on without them their families go about their business uh although being worried you know and after some uh some reversal of curses (laughs) after Mm -hmm. they repeat some stuff from uh the beginning they're able to free themselves from this and uh, the film gets a little twisted with it as at the end, as the curse seems to be transferred over to the people of religion. And uh, if you think about it, rich people and uh, religion—those people are pretty messed up. So maybe they get what they deserve. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, I'm I'm not am not the you know brainiest guy. So when I was I was seeing that ending, you know, of course, you know, maybe I was thinking about that, but I was just thinking this is like a classic like sitcom ending. It's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Which, I, you know, I was pleased with, in a yeah. sense.
0: It's, uh, it's a teaser for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that happen within this party that kind of cue you in to the otherworldly uh, version of reality in this film. You know, there's a woman opening up her purse to get a handkerchief, and then you get this that close insert shot where you see it's like, looking like a dead chicken is in there. you know. She's just ruffling around that to get to the handkerchief. And there's the disembodied hand that you see toward the beginning that then has a sequence of it coming to life toward the end. Um, there's of course the uh, roaming around the big house of the bear and sheep. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's just like a lot of fun. There's at one point a boom mic enters the lower fourth of the frame and kind of hangs there for a while while a few characters are talking. And there's a lot of things like this where Boonwell is just using kind of the edges of the frame to cue you into the dream reality while these characters are having seemingly grounded conversations.
2: I mean, the way the camera glides throughout from like conversation to conversation as well, I think adds to that dreamlike quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, before any of the guests are like clued into the fact that they can't leave, there's like all these like really funny scenes where it's like you see them like start to get ready where it's like oh we have to go and then they like sort of fall like out of the frame and then we follow another conversation there yeah and i think that has that like hazy dream quality to it
1: no yeah and like i feel like that that's kind of there's a disorientating nature that kind of happens throughout the entire film and you know as as things progresses like at first you know you're you were kind of saying jt it's It's kind of not, it's almost like unsettling to a certain sense, but then as the haze just grows and grows, it seems like I'm less like amazed by it, but just like, oh, this is just how the rhythm of how it goes.
0: And, like, just these small, you know, rationalizations that they make throughout this movie to accept it as reality. You know, just imagine going to a party and everyone just kind of accepts the fact that now it's a sleepover party. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's crashing here. And, like, uh, all the logistics of it. You know, the next morning uh, the host is worried about not being able to serve them anything for breakfast because the servants haven't come in with the groceries <laughs> yet. And, you know, it's like uh, this... This weird state of privilege that they're in, where them uh, taking off and, you know, f- basically falling off the surface of the earth, but really just being in one house for a few nights really isn't going to have much material impact on the world, other than the workers that they are the boss of, like are going to be kind of lost in their daily routine. Uh, and other than that, it's just like the world kind of goes on.
2: Well, I mean, it's funny to me, like, I mean, the level of like bourgeois like rules that like prohibit them from really cluing into it at first that I think is like some of the early like really funny parts because it's just like I don't know what with what you were saying about her like oh we have to offer them like breakfast in the morning it's like there's such fucking pussies and sticklers to this like really silly shit where it's just they would be like I don't know if someone's overstaying their welcome just be like go the fuck home like I have to do shit yeah exactly. Um, but they don't, like, I don't know, they're so strict in adhering to that, like, social uh, order that they, I don't know, it takes them such a long time to get down to anything.
1: No, yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of, their privilege, I guess, is kind of, like, hazes themselves to where, you know, they they follow these rules that don't make any sense and expect things that don't make any sense. Like, kind of, their reaction to them being stuck, I remember kind of early on, they're saying, well, why isn't anyone out there? coming to get us to come help us and it's just like it's been 24 hours and you were (laughs) you were known to go to a party you know what I mean
0: Uh, like these people have no idea how to just chill you know like at some point they should just get used to it and be like oh yeah we are like very comfortable upper middle class or upper crust people who can just hide away in a mansion for weeks on end and not be affected by it or anything but uh, these people don't know how to chill to them chill is like anarchy because of that classic like 60s art house rich people on Wii that you see in films like this and the works of Antonioni where you can't let rich people just like sit by themselves for more than an hour or they're going to think of some crazy fucking shit, you know? Uh, So, you know, like at one point a character says death is preferable to this anarchy. And this anarchy is just them at a party that went all night, you know, like it's just for once in your life, fucking chill, you know,
1: (laughs) no kind of the rich person helplessness is very funny here. You know, people kind of just acting very depressed over people, you know, taking over, taking off their tuxedo or not combing their, hair the wrong way it really pushes some people's buttons in a way that makes them act more depraved or uh, less appropriate than the original person who was you know breaking some sort of false rich
2: person rule and like after like it It's been like an extended period of time and they like really are like like sort of fucked and like they need to eat and like drink water. It really shows like just how completely fucking useless and like how they're so quick to just goddamn tear each other apart and just like they tell like the host to like shut the fuck up so many different times. (laughs)
1: Well, I like I like when things start to, you know, Degregate into, like, madness. Kind of, like, all the material things that they have in the room Actually get a practical use. You know, yeah. kind of, like, the axe Or the violence being used for firewood. It shows, like, this is the actual worth of all these items.
0: Yeah, and I love the use of the axe there. It's like, how many fucking rich people Does it take to burst one pipe? You know, like, they're just
1: <laughs> going at it with the axe For so fucking long Just to get some rusty pipe water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Now Eddie, I feel like there's there's obvious comparison here between like Metropolitan or like rules of the game, yeah. which and I feel like you like this movie a little bit better. What's What do you think is the X factor? What's I, the difference? I like
0: it a fair amount better frankly yeah. and I think that um, there's a few different things that are going on here. Uh, one is that Boonwell is a much more skilled filmmaker I think. I mean Renoir I can't say that about him Renoir's a great filmmaker uh, I think he's a way more formally accomplished filmmaker than someone like Whit Stillman I think the use of black and white here is like stunning you know uh, there's a, a few really great Shots of, I guess, the outside world, as it were, that are just in this like stunning, uh, chiaroscuro black and white, where the blacks are so dark, you know, and then the interiors are a lot more crammed and use a lot more of the gray, the in between. And I feel like, uh, Bunuel draws out that contrast really well. His camera that just glides through these spaces, picking up on different people's conversations, it's just like the premise of. Yeah. Listening to members of the bourgeoisie say things that have an ironic humor to them uh, isn't something that appeals to me generally. That's why I wasn't huge on rules of the game, but I liked it and I disliked Metropolitan. I love this film because I feel like it comes alive more as a film, you know, mm-hmm. and like the the more surreal sequences are truly like gut busting for me. Like they're really fucking funny to see that hand crawl around <laughs> the room uh, while these people are, you know, uh, speaking the... Uh, qualms that you know so many people had about class division you know like Ed, how Boonwell is able to achieve kind of a highbrow lowbrow dichotomy here where he has some you know pretty you could even just call it absurdism almost more than surrealism but also you have this very neatly drawn uh, like class criticism as well
1: mm-hmm. and I feel like the concept here is a little bit more aggressive and punishing towards the rich people than those yeah. other movies as
2: well Yeah, I think the bourgeois breakdown here is a lot bigger and how it happens and just sort of like the insanity and just how frantic they get. I mean, also just with what you're saying about the real compact spaces of them all being like the fact that they're so restricted and forced in one spot, I think like just ratchets up the tension so much more.
0: And also the depravity uh, at like the, the when they're at their wits end, you know, and they're you know someone is doing a Masonic cry for help, and they're trying to do like some ritualistic sacrifices. Yeah. And one character uh, professes, "I need the blood of the innocent." Like, yeah. uh I think that is like a much harsher indictment, even if Bunuel is playing it for laughs. Yeah, uh, I think you can read it kind of surface level as being uh, a more universal truth uh, than in something like Metropolitan that we see.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. So this th- what's going on here is like kind of like if a Tony Podesta. Party got yeah. got exterminated angel <laughs> and like they start, you know, singing to you know Kabbalah or something like that. Some yeah, exactly. you know s- satanic chance to like open the door.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking the uh, late night Podesta vibes are somewhere between the second act uh, break of this film and like that ritual in the Black Cat. You know that leads yeah. to the climax of that film. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: those are the Podesta vibes. If anyone. <laughs> <knows anything. laughs> I was gonna, like, get into any of these characters, but it's like, they don't really register as fully drawn people, and I think that works for this, they Mm -hmm. all just serve their purpose, you know, there's the doctor, you know, everyone is (laughs) just like, you remember them by what they are, there's the composer as well, and the host, and her husband, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, that kind of, I mean, right, it's like people... Really respect you for your title and your status, right? So it kind of makes yeah. sense we don't get uh, a humanistic look at these people. Just remember them by what they do.
0: Yeah, like I feel like the infidelity and like the kind of uh, romantic triangle, as it were, is so removed. And Boonwell just kind of moving the chess pieces around the board that he has, you know. And it's so much more about the big picture thing than any of these people's individual dramas
1: yeah i mean i think the chessboard things are really good analogy and kind of a thing that the movie makes itself right towards the end where it's like the reason that they get out is they realize they're all in the same position as they were when they're originally going to end the party and then they just walk out
0: yeah exactly you got to reverse the curse uh <laughs> as said in fever pitch check out bank check season one because <laughs> Um, also, yeah, one of the truths that these bourgeoisie people are so unable to accept is that sometimes women smell like shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's just like, you're so afraid of admitting the truth and they're talking about a woman being smelly, uh, <laughs> but that's part of polite society, man. They're, they're afraid, to, they're suppressed, you know,
1: you can't tell women that they smell bad. <laughs>
0: Uh, I love this film. I'm going four bullets on it. Uh, this is w- like maybe the first time I've really loved a Boonwell film, so I'm definitely gonna dive back into that catalog. What about you guys?
1: I'm gonna go four bullets as well. I think this is real strong. And you know, you know, if you're a party movie connoisseur, this still has all the debauchery, the explicit, you know, sex, the the naughtiness of any party movie just delivered in a, a different way, you know. I think I was reading the Armand White review, who compared it to an episode of Survivor, which I think is a, a good call. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of good fun with it. I feel like I, I have a very surface level like reading of it. Like I feel like there's a little bit more for me
2: to find out about this movie, but I liked it. Um, yeah, I'm also giving this one uh, four bullets. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, probably like when I watched it when I was a bit younger, I like it was really up there for me, probably because I think it was like one of the first times I was seeing like surrealism uh in film. uh But I just, I, I don't know, to touch on what you were saying, Malcolm, about the horniness of it, that's one of the great things about Bunuel is like there are some moments there, like when. Uh, Even though the romantic plots are, like, detached and, like, not as necessary, he, like, knows how to shoot some hot and heavy stuff. There's, like, a shot of a hand on an ass. That could be in (laughs) fucking Project (laughs) X. (laughs) I tell you what, it had me going. Um, But, no, I mean, I, like, uh, it's, like, an interesting class tale that does the... Uh, bourgeoisie are essentially like fucking useless when the proletariat kind of dips and uh checks all the boxes for me
0: i, I think there, there are a couple of uh you know the the late night trysts that moonwell shoots with a, a bit more sensitivity than the rest of the kind of cold uh interiors that, that go throughout the party we'll be right back on extended clip
1: Blit Happenings. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan's Blit Happenings. Uh, 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 Now that joke is
0: only for people who are donating at a $2 or more level uh, who have heard us talk about Blit Happens. Um, If you don't, well, you know what to do. Patreon.com slash Extended Clip. And we're back on Extended Clip. Uh, It's Malcolm in the Middle time. Malcolm, you watch anything of note this week?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, sometimes when I got a little bit of free time, I like to look up Vincent Gallo interviews because he's, he's an entertaining guy. He likes to say a lot of funny stuff, a lot of uh, off-the-cuff stuff. But he has a kind of like weird opinions as well. But he has, you know, he, he's got good taste for you know, what he is. And I, you know, his movies are fine too. I think his interviews are a little bit better. But um, he recommended Mickey One, uh, a movie starring uh, Warren Beatty, directed by Arthur Penn. And the concept is pretty simple. Warren Beatty's on the run from the mob because he stole one of the girlfriends of a mob member. So he's going from town to town trying to be a stand-up. And it's, it's, uh, it's made kind of like in the mid-60s. So it's kind of taken that French New Wave influence. And it's heavily stylistic, you mm-hmm. know, to a very enjoyable end. And kind of has like a Kafka kind of feel, like man on the run, uh, you know, nonsensical, everything against him type uh feel to it and it's it, you know it's a pretty pretty simple but i think it's just commitment to its like heavy style mm-hmm. is uh just make what makes it entertaining you know, Beatty's a star um and that's you know that's G- gallo was talking about that how he said warren Beatty might be his favorite actor and has the most interesting filmography i don't know how true that is but he definitely he definitely <laughs> he definitely does have an interesting one um and he also talked about how eric roberts was a star and i I actually i watched the sequel to stalked by my doctor nice um which was also very entertaining as well stalked
0: by my doctor the whole series getting the ec bump oh yeah (laughs) every
1: time i watch it i'm going to mention it and there's there's four movies four movies since 2015 that's a strong series i might actually
0: have to check some of those out
1: all on amazon prime uh thank you jeff bezos thank (laughs) you (laughs) thank you to amazon
2: What about you, JT? Um, I also watched uh, kind of a 60s mob uh, sort of riff. Uh, It was 1968's Skidoo by Otto Preminger, uh, starring Jackie Gleason as Tony Banks, Um, uh, like a, a former gangster who's called out of retirement by God, who's like the mob boss. Uh, played by Groucho Marx, and it's like a very weird flick that I couldn't like. I don't know, couldn't put my finger on, and I feel like that's why I I kind of liked it, because it's like one of those like '60s comedies that's like the uh, squares versus straights and sort of yes. those like meshing together, and um, uh, Jackie Gleason's uh, like hippie daughter. Um, is trying to like rescue him because he gets sent to jail to like murk someone for God. Um, and it's just it was really fucking weird. And like you expect that type of thing to be like a pretty big spectacle, which it is. There are like some like musical numbers and uh, just a lot of weird, colorful stuff. But at the same time, it, it's like pretty small and intimate. There are only like a handful of settings that happen. Uh, like, Groucho marks as God is like on a boat, like, sort of isolated away. And I think it has like a neat, sort of like conspiratorial, like, ruling elites angle that is definitely something I can uh, vibe onto. And uh, the soundtrack fucking rules too because it's uh, Harry Nielsen uh, did the entire uh, thing. And uh, the end is just him singing the cast and crew. Uh, their names it's pretty cool i like that i like a little dedication to the crew mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> very fairly
0: nice um give me one second i need to pull something up
1: nice last second T- Turn in your homework in at <laughs> the last second
0: I know.
1: <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to disrupt your process yeah, no. did you did you watch any <laughs> movies this week other than the ones for the podcast eddie
0: I watched No Name on the Bullet, the 1959 film by Jack Arnold, starring Audie Murphy. I watched this film because the film critic Nick Pinkerton tweeted about Audie Murphy, uh, and it it got me to download a few of his films. I'll, I'll read the tweet. It was, Audie Murphy was 5 foot 5. He murked 300 krauts then came back home to make unpretentious, generally enjoyable westerns. He slept with a gun under his pillow, wrote some country songs, then died when the private airplane he was abroad fell to earth. I love him. And after no name on the bullet, I'm ready to love him too. Audie Murphy uh, carries more in his 5 foot 5 frame than most villains do. Uh, in, you know, whole Careers, if you will, uh, whole foot advantages that some may have on him. Uh, no Name on the Bullet by Jack Arnold. Uh, he also directed Creature from the Black Lagoon. He's made some really good B pictures for Universal. Uh, this one is just 77 minutes of pulse pounding fucking grit western. Uh, Audie Murphy rolls into town. He's paid to kill someone in town. We don't know who yet. The town doesn't know who yet, but they know he's a paid killer. And uh, as I said, 77 minutes of just waiting for the shit to go down. And when it does, it's glorious. And there's a really melancholy look at the end. And, you know, even just the middle or uh, medium close-ups that Arnold takes of Audie Murphy. You can see so much depth in his eyes and so much evil as well in his character. And uh, it's a really beautiful, fast-paced, raw film. So check out No Name on the Bullet.
1: Hi, good evening, Mrs. Stilson. My name's Oliver. This is uh, my friend, Jonathan. Hi, we're both friends of uh, Thomas Cubs. Oh, yeah, we're we're hosting a little birthday party for Thomas. And we wanted to give, yeah, we wanted to give you uh, the courtesy of informing you that there could possibly be a little bit of party-related noise. I wanted to give you my uh, phone number, just in case you had any problems or concerns. You're a very beautiful woman.
0: Project X style party this Saturday night, $3 guys, free girls, no cops, bring your own (laughs) booze, DJ, we got DJ (laughs) (laughs) motherfucker. We're trying to think of anything other
1: than DJ (laughs) motherfucker,
0: but that does sound like a crazy, like suburban white boy DJ for sure. DJ motherfucker. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) You know, with this, with this podcast episode, we're trying to change the game. We're trying to, we're trying to level up. All right. This is this is not just an episode. This is a movement. So, Project X, as I said, uh,
0: directed by Nima uh, Numazeda. His father uh, (laughs) was (laughs) is a uh, former uh, Iranian uh, monarchist supporter and like a historian, uh, and like works out of Great Britain,
2: living that king shit lifestyle. Yeah, you want to you want to be in a monarchy. You got to live like a king.
1: Well, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? Because you look at this movie, right? It's about, you know, three, you know, upper middle class, you know, boys. And, you know, th- there's a disapproving father at the middle of it who thinks his son is a loser. And, uh, you know, his son proves that he isn't. Also, I mispronounced his last name, but it's because
0: of my dog shit handwriting. I thought the <laughs> R and I were an M. Uh, it's actually uh, Nima Nurizera, Sorry. Uh, or, the Fuck. It's actually Nima Nurizeda. Sorry about that. So, just to give a little, because uh, re- I feel like I vaguely described his father, uh, but Norizadeh is a political refugee from Iran. And after fleeing to the United Kingdom, he obtained his PhD from the University of London in international relations. He is a monarchist. <laughs> uh, that is all that his Wikipedia really says. Uh, he is very much opposed to the Islamic Republic of Iran.
1: And, uh, but you know, sometimes we can reach across the aisle on extended clip. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, this movie, right? What is it but Western decadence and a rejection of uh, religious culture? I mean, is it not?
0: Uh, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> it so. is.
2: It's full hedonism. This movie, like, that's what I love about it, and also what makes it, like, particularly not good.
0: Yeah, it's hard to watch, but in ways that are good. Uh, and not in a so bad it's good way, but in a way that it made me uncomfortable as a young adult and looking back as a middle aged adult now <laughs> at 25. Uh, It makes me uncomfortable for positive, productive reasons, you know, transgressive, almost Brechtian reasons. Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, I think movies, good or bad, we like to talk about that. But I think this movie is more important as like a cultural text, right? I mean, yeah, this came out, you know, while we were in high school, middle school, and it gave us the idea of what would a perfect suburban high school party be? It put this idea in a lot of people's heads. A lot of people were obsessed with this idea and they wanted to have a project x style party maybe some of them succeeded um but also i feel like when people say my life is a movie i feel like it comes from this movie i think that's where they got it from because you know you see some you're at a party you see two two girls kiss you're like damn my life's a movie um you know that's a tweet i I just stole that i read on air but i think i think it applies to this this discussion
0: um, so the director, Nima, uh he Nima Norizeda, he is a music video director for acts such as Dizzy Rascal and Friends Ferdinand and uh Bat for Lashes. <laughs> so this guy this guy's
1: deep in the indie scene.
0: Yeah, he's also directed advertisements for Adidas, uh fellow indie company. <laughs> Uh, so this film though what he's doing here is uh taking the found footage approach where there's even a warning behind uh the opening credits that kind of make it feel like it's uh found footage you know Uh, we'd like to, you know, thank you uh, for letting us use this footage, you know. (laughs) And uh, I'm so sorry to the Pasadena police force for (laughs) causing such ruckus.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they wanted to sell it like it's real. And, you know, you get the realness through like this kind of camcorder aesthetic no coverage you're you're deep right there in the party it feels like you know you're one of the people at the party and you're watching these boys do some wild
2: shit and a lot of the actors uh, in it are just going by their like names yeah as well
0: mm-hmm. uh, i mean so you're shooting on a couple of uh you know handheld like canon and sony cameras but you also have like the classic flip camera yeah uh, you have a blackberry rim camera <laughs> Uh, Also an iPhone camera as well being used here. So the the mixed media is not lost on me here. We even also get some like uh, police cam footage, you know, security footage. Uh, That's probably the best aspect of this movie is, uh, or at least in terms of its approach as like a cultural artifact. I think all of the different uh, mixed media here, uh, are a good representation of
1: 2012. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to speak of cultural artifact, I mean, the soundtrack you know, oh, has, yeah. has a lot of lot of hits, a lot of, you know, idiom hits at the time, a lot of, you know, a lot of indie music that was becoming popular. You even get a, a needle drop of My Girls by Animal Collective, and you, it's kind of the indie reaching the mainstream, right? It's like yeah. this... Uh, this, uh, you know, indie lifestyles we live of, you know, heavy ragers have reached the suburbs and, you know, it's, you know, they go, they go to high school and they listen to the XX, and, you know, none, none of that's alt anymore. It's yeah. uh, it's all it, mainstream depra- depravity now. Uh,
0: I think the XX needle drop here really spoke to me in a <laughs> cynical, bitter, ironic way where, you know, it's so depressing how real this film is you Mm -hmm. know i think that's the big takeaway of it is you know whether or not uh is attempting to make like a statement about how uh debased and privileged and disgusting uh you know middle-class suburban teens are uh he definitely does it you know yeah and uh, the xx needle drop at the end where it's like you're the fucking man, dude You you threw a yeah. big party You got the XX playing <laughs> under you But wait, you still gotta get the girl <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yo, you guys, Thomas That party was Yo. Thank you, man Yo. Thank you, man You guys
1: which yeah, I mean the anything regarding like plot and storyline in this movie is like you know kind of laughable. Yeah, and it, you know it's just it, I just want to keep the party going. Absolutely. That's just me. That's just me. Oh no, I mean yeah. in
0: terms of like narrative structure or whatever. Yeah, who fucking cares? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a party movie, and then they have some reckoning with the party after it ends. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's these moments that the narrative builds that give me those precise feelings of yeah. like, this is one guy's fantasy or not one guy. This is a lot of, this is every dude's fantasy. fantasy. I mean, <laughs> a lot of kids I went to high school with. I mean, this came out when I was fucking senior year of high school and the only like relatable aspects of this movie, I would say, I'm a cross between, uh, or at least high school me was a cross between the JB character and uh, the main character. Like at the second act break, you know, after he like gets caught having sex with the hot girl, I wasn't that part. But where it feels like you know he's at the big party and he just wants to kill himself, I'm a mix of that and uh, the Jonathan Daniel Brown character.
2: <laughs> I'm just Miles Teller all the way. Yeah, a college boy, uncomfortably <laughs> giving a uh, beer to high schoolers
0: asking if there's going to be any sweet high school pussy at the party <laughs>
1: yeah I mean that's what that's what's that's what's admirable about this movie right it commits to like it's just dirtiness it's just miles teller it's like they're gonna be hot high school girls there he at the says grocery the market high school pussy, yeah exactly in front
0: of like <laughs> random people bu- like <laughs> in I, this movie really makes it like it tries to sell you on him being a big movie star
2: too which yeah.
0: I guess would happen after this movie which is kind of funny like he was already pretty popular but I don't know it's a weird time capsule in that regard as well
2: I mean I like going into that debauchery. I mean, I think that's the like the commitment to that is it's so realistic. Like there's it's the height of like gross middle class white boy bullshit. Like this was just like being in high school. There are so many like awful moments of things they say. Mm -hmm. I mean, some more like offensive and like repulsive than others. Like they they drop a soft a at one point oh
0: i mean that's uh costa or costa right yeah the guy who's like he embodies so much of what i dislike about this film but have to accept as a very truth or (laughs) a very truthful aspect of the culture is that post super bad everyone wanted to be jonah hill and super bad everyone that wasn't like a stud wanted to be like the funny horny guy
1: you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and he has the classic like you know talking out of his ass, like, I fuck mad girls, like, I do all this, when you know, absolutely, yeah. he doesn't. And that's also, like, a big cornerstone of the motivations of this movie, is, you know, it's classic high school movie. They just want to, we just want to all get laid tonight. It's very, you know, it's it's very simple, but, I mean, it tapped into a lot of people's ideal fantasy, right? This is, this is a heat check for the nation. Yeah,
0: I mean, at one point, uh, when they're reckoning with the damage that they've caused, uh, you know, Costa says, I'm sorry, man. I just wanted to get some pussy you know, and that's what this whole thing was about. You know, uh, I guess Richard Linklater, you didn't have to make a two hour movie called everybody wants some.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This movie knew it from the jump.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I like everybody wants some, but uh, (laughs) I think this movie is definitely a, uh, I mean, I think both of these movies actually, it it is kind of informative to bring everybody wants Some in that because it is also a film that is dismissed by a lot of people for it's, you know, I guess toxic male behavior that's on screen and I don't think, you know, whether or not the filmmakers are endorsing these things, if you're looking at it with any sort of detached perspective, you're able to realize how awful this, like, yeah. a- everyone on display is, you know. Uh, and it's like even the the main guy who you're supposed to sympathize with, just a piece of shit, obviously, like everyone in this movie. But I think it do- it's like a... It, it, another time that i'm gonna not having seen this movie compare something to it but it's <laughs> a it's a real sallow where the 120 days of so- yeah. sodom
1: vibe going i mean on. i mean it gets depraved the movie gets depraved there's a shot of uh someone getting pissed on while they're throwing up in the toilet
0: that is when i thought of
1: salt yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of gross stuff going on here i mean a lot of the grossness of partying i one one scene comes to mind is like the body shot scene mm-hmm. where they're you know the girls licking uh, fucking lime off his neck and they're like sucking a lime together and it's like that's kinda fucking gross. Gross. It's Mm -hmm. kinda fucking gross. And it's like, um, you know, this is these are the when you're partying, right, you kinda have to uh make compromises, right? You're like, oh this is like kinda gross and like the people who are hosting it like kinda suck. Like I kinda don't like people here. But you know uh, as, as the main character finds out, you know, maybe you could find something about yourself through this this decadence <laughs> through this uh, through this uh, this partying, you know, maybe you could uh, find yourself. Yeah,
0: I think the kids are all right. <laughs> the kids are all right. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of character to this film, too. You know, you get the the shady weed dealer that they go to who's listening to You're Beautiful by James Blunt Mm -hmm. uh, while very menacingly giving uh, selling them weed there's attention to detail in the right places and I think that the hidden camera approach works fairly well Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the like jokes like land necessarily nah. it's more of just like the vibes i guess yeah <laughs>
2: no everything that i found funny about this movie i feel like definitely wasn't intentional but the vibes are strong yeah. it's like this like i mean the music uh, just everything about it, it like took me back to being a party boy, like end of <laughs> high school, like parties and just like in uh, a little bit early college. It's like this is the type of shittiness you need to accept to if you are going to a party,
1: you know, to the filmmakers credit. I don't know, because, of course, you can never say this movie um, gave a thumbs down to the party lifestyle because it like spawned so many parties itself, probably. But, um, you know things get kind of extremely hectic towards the end. Yeah. I mean...
0: I do like how this film escalates (laughs) into like a full-on riot with the cops shooting rubber bullets and everything.
1: Yeah, and the the weed dealer coming back, burning down his block. Like, his whole block is in disarray where um he's like it's burning down like the worst possible outcome basically happens for him but you know what's great about it there really isn't any consequences at the end of his day the dad's just happy his son isn't a pussy yeah and that's and that's worth more to him than anything else which is you know very indicative of maybe you know i don't know the thoughtlessness of this movie but i mean you're not you're not watching project x to you know class critique shit like that i mean i mean i think it yeah. is
0: kind of useful for that more than it is useful for its actual narrative exactly like the, no, the yeah. romance and friendship in this is I mean, the friendship angle, like, I get having friends that you basically fucking hate, but they're the only people that are around. I mean, look at this podcast. (laughs) uh, But We're just so
1: talented that you have to keep us on. You don't even (laughs) like us. You're like, there's no one else better, though. uh,
0: But, like, the the romantic angle of it is like, oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking kill me. Uh, That is so, you know, of course, it's like the the girl that's always been around as his friend uh, is the one he actually loves, but you know, tonight,
1: <laughs> let's fuck the hot girl. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, the treatment of women in oh, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> it's pretty bad. The, uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's a, I uh, mean,
0: that <laughs> might be the strongest suit of this film is how brutally it depicts misogyny you know, and yeah. it's like the, you know, the teen uh, hetero male mindset of yeah. like, going to a party for the expressed uh, purposes of getting pussy.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, it's the barstool mindset exposed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it gets to ridiculous proportions, right? Where it's like, he's putting like naked girls only in the pool. And it's just like, it's so fucking stupid. And you just
0: get like the (sighs) most generous montage of just like girls Uh, coming out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that honestly, the pool scenes and how they would shoot, you know, it's not a unknown technique, but they shoot above and below the water. I was getting some night of cups vibes from the camera work there. I mean, this is honestly like. Knight of Cups meets Super Bad meets something else. I don't know.
0: Yeah, something else. But I think the class thing is something to get into because mm-hmm. as um, the consequences fall down, you know, the block is burnt down, the house is destroyed. He's freaking grounded for life. <laughs> um, but the actual uh, disparity of it is that, uh, you know, Costa is going to get off scot free because he has a rich lawyer. Yeah. And uh, you know the one of the first things the dad says to the main characters, well, you know, you can forget about your college fund. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's just like, oh man, it really sets in that like this film is also kind of about the unchecked debauchery of the bourgeoisie just like the exterminating angel mm-hmm. you know like yeah. uh, it's a it's a very similar film it's like that one U2 record that bono said you know he wanted side a to be the party and uh, side b to be the day after you know project <laughs> x is like the party and uh, you know the exterminating angel you're, you know you're uh, reaping the consequences uh, the day after
1: mm-hmm. and there's both uh, a container full of pills yeah. In both of these oh movies. yeah vital
0: vital play, uh part played by pills <laughs> Ugh, couldn't get that <laughs> one out.
1: Yeah, the gnome full of Molly that Miles Teller uh, bats open. Um, yeah.
0: Also, I hate how real that is. Of like uh, the excuse of stealing the gnome from the drug dealer is like, dude, every party needs a sick mascot. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? And then you can just <laughs> imagine every high school douchebag saying that, yeah. you know, this party's gonna be epic. I mean, the fucking uh, text blast that you see him <laughs> uh, send out in class on his BlackBerry is so amazing. It's uh, so it says, "Epic party list mobile." That's like who he's sending it to and the text says epic party at thomas Cub's house hot bitches dress like it ugly bitches stay home
1: <laughs> i mean yeah that's also uh, to talk about it's cultural artifactness of it i mean it does have like an attention to like the cell phones they're having this is like yeah. kind of the transition into the iphone era the smartphone era how the you know message gets across it gets across through facebook these new social medias that people haven't quite figured out yet or they haven't quite soured on yet you know so to speak and uh it just has a fascination with that i mean this the children's security guards i think that's one funny thing it lands the children's security guard getting punched is funny how they keep like flip cameras on them it's very you know specific with that
0: Mm -hmm. and of course yeah they're also just an excuse to use like diegetic cameras in the scene and yeah uh, you know get some more cinematic textures in there
1: i mean yeah i think to speak of the sleaziness of this movie the sleaziest parts are like when Every like sex scene that the main character has is like oh filmed, God. filmed like you know from behind the doorway with the doorway in frame showing like a very voyeuristic look at like some you know party hookup sex
0: of like seventeen year
1: olds. Yeah, yeah. I mean this is, I mean this is also yeah Epstein's wet dream, right? Because yeah. it's like, I think there's even a line, there's a line that's like there's more teen nudity here than I don't know. There's there's some throwaway. It's at the end. That.
0: I'll clip it in. Jimmy Kimmel makes a monologue joke about <laughs> yeah. R. Kelly.
1: Yeah, which is very appropriate. Appropriate as we hear a uh, bump and grind enter yeah. the playlist.
2: Have you seen the footage? I t- let me tell you, I haven't seen that many teenage boobs since R. Kelly's birthday party. Good song, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but
0: no, it is very leering. I mean, the the character, the main camera, is a character uh, played by I get uh, the guy's name is Dax, I think. Yeah. Uh, not as cool as someone like Dax Shepard, but uh, <laughs> he has the name nonetheless. But, yeah, he feels very voyeuristic at times, as is kind of the premise of the film. But those hookup scenes, man, that feels voyeuristic in editing more than in, like, the purpose of having a character hold a camera. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like... All of the nudity in this is, like, very quickly cut, and it's, like, montage epic tit montage. (laughs) Uh, But then, like, here it's just like, all right, we're gonna watch them... like make out and you know grope each other or get ready to fuck and get undressed for like a minute and a half until the the good nice friend girl walks in and you know all bets
1: are off from there what's the craziest thing you guys have ever done at a party (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna i I wanted
2: to talk about parties yeah uh, yeah, and everything all right how 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 do you boys party yeah hit it hard uh. Do you do any part of uh, project Dude, X I can't style wait to antics. go to a project that,
0: imagine a project X style party now? It would be
1: so crazy because you just die of coronavirus that's, like, that's, what, people later. Yeah. that's <laughs> what people need yeah that's what the people need right now we huge, need a new project x a, uh, yeah project x too project triple x yeah. if you get now, it, my I drift mean,
0: as i said like i was not a party goer when this film came mm-hmm. out maybe that was like a uh, part of my initial bitterness toward it was like well i would never even get invited so, like, yeah fuck i mean we like a handful of parties in your high school and they all sucked i wanted to leave all the time i i, I just wanted to leave no matter what you know yeah uh so i That's why I probably really didn't take to this film at first and then still had a a hump to get over. Uh, No pun intended. Uh, But I I do think like this film captures a lot of what's wrong with like partying culture and still managed to keep a pretty fun, even if ironic and detached tone, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I mean, I've never quite been to a Project X style party or at least to that scale. I mean, you know, trees are getting burnt down, so I guess that's a pretty rare one. But, um, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I've been to parties like that, and they're just, they're fine. I, you know, I prefer a nice, you know, maybe, uh, exterminating angel type party, you know, just a, a close knit group of friends, you know, crack open whatever you want. That's more of a, Maybe that's a party or not, but that's that's more of a fun environment to me
0: Yeah, I feel like I would have been shamed for drinking
1: uh, Just like Diet Coke at a
0: Project X party oh, yeah, <laughs> I, Exterminating Angel Maybe it's not a high class drink But they would respect my non-alcoholic decision
1: I mean, yeah, the, that's a great thing Project X also shows It's like, in, it's also maybe hand in hand with like rave culture It's like, you gotta get fucked up to enjoy it. You have to be in an yeah. altered state of mind Yeah, they call the camera this.
0: man the F word for not taking a shot Yeah I mean, it's messed up in my opinion. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about you, JT? Are you a party animal?
2: Um, I was a little bit. I like mm-hmm. to boogie down. I mean, it's like uh, you I, bumping I, and grinding with the ladies. <laughs> I, I in college, I threw like uh like a few parties, like not like Project X, but like we had a, a packed house. Yeah, I enjoy that atmosphere, and I think that like tapped. Into this I mean it does get into like the negative aspects of it a lot like pretty unintentionally I mean the fact that you need to be fucked up to enjoy that type of like madness happening I mean there were some crazy antics Uh, one time for Halloween. Um, all of my roommates and I dressed up as Playboy bunnies, uh, <laughs> and my one roommate uh, locked himself out of his bedroom, and so he had to like kick down his door uh, with a uh, heel. And uh, the next day, we could we like took his heel and uh, put it. There was a perfect print where it fit. Nice. Um, so that this is yeah. an
1: antic. I guess I got an antic in store too. But this is this maybe changed my perception of partying forever at a young age. But I think um, I was like maybe 14, 15, you know, one of my first parties. I'm excited. You know, I'm like, you know, turn up. You know, I'm, I'm really with it. And um, it was fun for a while. And uh, But I, 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 you know, I wasn't a drinker in high school. So I was just, I was smoking fat around the corner, <laughs> you know, out of a pipe. And I guess that we got the cops called on us. And 14 or 15-year-old me has to come out in front of, you know, the house with my hands up with these cops. Jesus, Yeah. And uh, it wasn't my pipe or weed, but they made a... Uh, made us smash the weed in the pipe on the ground and they're like take us to the leader of the party and um <laughs> you know me being a party novice they're like all right everyone just call your parents and go home you know they're just they're just wrapping it up i actually do call my parents and they pick me up and everyone else just calls like just some random person not actually their parent. i'm like fuck i'm like I'm, a, I'm stupid and i think my parents were just happy that i had friends so they weren't too mad <laughs> Kind of like the ending of Project X. <laughs> but it was not their house.
2: Yeah. I will say,
0: though, that one thing Project X definitely contributed to the culture was pretending that the party was over when cops came. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's something I saw at least four or five times at, uh, in San Fernando Valley house parties among these upper middle class children that yeah. live in the hills. Uh, <laughs> I mean, their parents, you know. But, yeah. uh, you know, cops would come and then everyone's in the backyard and they're just like, all right, everyone. <laughs> cops are here. It's like, are we just the cops just aren't going to they're just all right i guess, Yeah. i guess that's how it works
1: yeah no um that's that's one of like the most unintentionally funny parts of that movie is when you know the cops show up and they do their stand down and then the obnoxious character comes as, to the break of dawn yo to the break of dawn yo is a great line <laughs> i
0: think we're turning up too hard right now dude yo. i fucking didn't even realize that i paper cutted my like arm and i have blood on my notebook oh right my now. god good thing it, you- it's only like a few spots but a couple spots of blood there Damn. from my uh, you know Sometimes you just podcast until you don't even feel the pain anymore. Yeah, and uh, that's the kind of night we're having tonight on Extended Clip.
1: Blood, sweat, and tears. What can I say?
0: We should also say that JB, uh, that character played by Jonathan Daniel Brown. Uh, Jonathan Daniel Brown has had a uh, roller coaster of a career since this film, to say the least. He appeared. In an episode in the Bang Bus adult film <laughs> series, uh, JT, have you happened to see that?
2: Yeah, I did. I did. A, <laughs> <laughs> I love to do research for this podcast, um, and I had like seen before. I had seen this movie. I had seen clips in um, just cursory viewing that I'm doing uh, of part of his pornography. I don't know. It's not as I was expecting him to get really humiliated because he's not an attractive guy. Um, small hog. Uh, and it's three women just take him into a bus and fuck him. But he was he was enjoying it. They weren't being mean. It's uh I wouldn't recommend it, but um if you wanna feel like your hog is bigger, maybe you should watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you have that fantasy. Yeah. If you're a big ugly hunk and you know just want to get, you know, van sexed by three women, you might want to look that up.
0: He then played the title role in the film Kid Cannabis uh, yes. in 2014, uh, playing an 18-year-old, which is pretty funny, uh, because it was... Oh, actually, I guess it was only two years later, so that doesn't really make... It's not that funny. <laughs> uh, but he also directed a film in 2017 uh, called Horseshoe Theory. Nice. Uh, w- let me read you the, the log line of this. A weapons deal between a white supremacist and a member of the Islamic State blossoms into more.
1: <laughs> Dang. You know, that sounds like a like a little tale we could all learn from. You know, Kid Cannabis, I'd always see that on, like, Netflix. I feel like that was one of those movies that was on Netflix for, like, six years. Yeah. And I'd see him, like, holding a joint on the top, I'm like, that movie looks like fucking dog shit. Yeah. Um, he was
0: also on like a uh, a leftist podcast called Struggle Session uh, for really? a while, and they kicked him off because I guess he was doing some doing some alternate account posting on Reddit uh, about certain filmmakers who uh, have been exiled to Europe uh, because of certain sex crimes that they did in America. <laughs>
1: I didn't know he was in, like, the podcast scene. I didn't know that at yeah, all. Yeah, he was... Uh, well, oh,
0: yeah, yeah. He was referred to as a West Coast beer nerd on the <laughs> uh, on the Cometown podcast <laughs> at one point. But I, I believe... It, actually, it may have been the Trapo Trap House podcast, one of the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah so
1: anyway i know the real beer. one time there was i've like,
0: never listened to either show by the way i just yeah. you know i hear these things and i just have to that's why it's like I people, don't know are it was. <laughs> people are saying people are quoting these podcasts to me
1: i remember in 2018 like maybe like five people wish me happy birthday and the beer nerd was one of them because we're friends on facebook <laughs>
0: You know what, beer nerd? Come on the pod.
1: He was there when others weren't.
0: <laughs> uh, Project X, I'm giving this one three bullets. Uh, you know, it's an extremely cynical look at like the disgusting teen party culture of the early 2010s, uh, or is it an endorsement of good times with your bros and hating women? <laughs> it doesn't really matter which one it is. It's up to the viewer. And for me, it's that cynical, bitter look at a disgusting culture. So I think it's a good movie.
1: Yeah. Or I'm going to give it three bullets. You know, I'm on the pursuit of happiness. And I know <laughs> not everything that shines is always going to be gold. And, you know, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> that ta- that song actually taught me how to roll a joint. <laughs> and you know this uh you know this movie kind of looks ugly you know it is ugly at its core but i think that's what's valuable about it and you know it's kind of jaggedness uh i enjoy and um you know i said cultural artifact like six times already in this review but i mean i think that's it's a it's one of the last movies that actually mattered you know there's people don't actually care about movies it's one of the last movies that it made an impact on people it gave someone a, a fantasy and it was enacted out on screen you know people the you know these new movies people talk about marvel movies it's kind of it's kind of different this is a uh, this is the last one to hit the cultural zeitgeist and i think it's important
0: if i'm telling the story of america project x is one of the <laughs> last films <laughs>
1: yeah exactly jt how did how do you party
2: uh <laughs> um well just like uh, jonathan daniel brown's uh dong this is also a gentleman's two and a half <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I, I salute this picture at a gentleman's two and a half. This is all like, I don't know. Sometimes the two and a half star or two and a half bullet, excuse my language film is really all you need, like something that is pretty bad, but is enjoyable enough to get you through it. I mean, I think there's a lot of what we talked about already, like party simulation stuff, the specificity of it, uh, thing like, One gag that is actually pretty funny that they call out like Costa for wearing like a fucking sweater vest and a (laughs) T-shirt, which is like the most hideous fucking look. Um, But that stuff is all uh, really, really good and enjoyable. But just it's very, very hate filled and uh, bitter for me. Like those parts definitely like take me uh, out of enjoying it. A lot, but maybe that's just because I can't wrestle with my own problematic party boy ways. <laughs> yeah, no, I
0: think I think the hatred that this film spews is kind of its best aspect uh, because of how much of that lends itself to being a part of American history.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just think it's like a cool hangout movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any emails?
2: Yeah.
1: No. You right? don't no. ask me
0: that. <laughs> we've been doing this show for 60 fucking weeks now
1: well you know i just wanted to make make a change make a huge change like the kids in project x did
0: um no we don't have any emails this week it took a while to load it up there i thought maybe like we had a really big email (laughs) big file yeah (laughs) send us
1: files send us mp4s and shit like that
0: extended clip podcast at gmail.com at extended clip 69 patreon.com slash extended clip. Check out season one of Bank Check. Please
1: please, please check it out. Um, Just do it. It's worth it. Yeah, I'm not going to
2: beg. You need to <laughs> fucking do this. Next
0: week on the podcast, main feed. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to be talking with the Patreon that much like as much as I did today going yeah. forward. It's just we're launching it and we need you to know that's what's going on. We're
1: Rolling out the red carpet.
0: Next week main feed taking a look at some early digital romantic expressionism. Nice. Jean-Luc Godard's In Praise of Love, George Lucas's Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. Wow. And on the Patreon, George Lucas's Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace.
1: I'm excited to do this because like I'm I'm not against the prequels anyways. I'm just kind of like apathetic towards Star Wars in general, you know? So I'm like I just want I want something to spark that
2: love. I didn't really like uh, the prequels the last time I watched them, which is probably like, maybe like freshman year of college, but I've done a lot of soul searching and growth, and uh, I'm ready <laughs> to be uh, prequel-pilled. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I hear going to be like unlimited high school pussy. Interest. Dude, high school pussy for days.